This is our first session on chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, with which he has graciously favored us in the Beloved. Father, as we look at how to read, how to think, how to teach, how to meditate upon your word from these words, blessed, blessed, blessing, praise. Grant that we would experience it even now. What it is to do theology, to do exposition, to do reading and to do study and to do meditation in the form of blessing and praise. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have heard that from verse 3 all the way to verse 14 is one sentence in Greek. It is. And that is significant because the entire paragraph or sentence is therefore cast under Blessed be God. Blessed be God for all this. This is all worship. This is all praise. This is all overflow from God to us and us to God. He didn't have to include this beginning, did he? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. He could have started right here. God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. He could have started right there and taught us theology. All the great blessings of God, the great salvation, the great choosing of us before the foundation of the world, the great aim that we be holy and blameless, the great act of predestination, the great act of adopting us as sons, all of it according to his will for the glory of his grace. He could have just taught us, but that's not what he did. He began with praise and he put everything under praise and blessing. And what makes it so striking is that this word, eulogetos, this word, eulogeo, this word, eulagia, you can hear in the Greek that just like in English, it's the same word, only in different forms. This is the adjective, eulogetos. This is the verb, eulogeo. This is the noun, eulagia. Why? And the reason I ask why is because it is so obvious that the way we bless God and the way he blesses us are radically different, right? <laughs> 
We don't, we don't save God. We don't elect God. We don't predestine God. We don't adopt God. This is, this is the blessing. This is the blessedness that God gives. All of this, down to verse 14, is our blessedness from God. It is God's work. It is God's gift to us. But when we say, blessed be God, when we render blessing back to God, we're not doing any of that. Do you see the issue? Why would he use the same word? Why not say, thanked be God or praised be God? Or if he wants to use blessed there, why not use, uh, he was generous to us or he was good to us, but instead he chooses to use the very same word for our action to him and his action to us. That just cries out for reflection and meditation. What, what's going on? And here's my suggestion. I suspect that God, I mean, through Paul, God wants us to see that with every act of good deed to us, gracious deed to us, and, and every gift of graciousness and goodness to us, there is to be a suitable good word back to God, good word back to God, because eulogeo really does mean good word or good thing. It's a good thing when it comes to us. It becomes good word when we go back to God. So I think the using of the same language is to help us see that every kind of act of blessing or every gift of blessing reveals something of the fullness of the blessedness of God and should elicit from us a peculiar kind of echo, an echo back to God because of everything he has done for us. This, this, um, we're going to see eventually that the whole goal and purpose of his saving us in these ways is to the praise of the glory of his grace. So since that's the goal of everything, Paul begins that way. Praised be, blessed be, extolled be, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, because that's where everything is going to terminate in eternity. And I'm going to begin it right now. So for every good act that comes to us, every gift that comes to us, let there be a corresponding good word back to God in praise. And not just in verbal praise, but in emotional affectionate praise. The devil could say the words, blessed be God, and be an absolute hypocrite. When we say blessed be God, it would mean we admire God, we treasure God, we love God, we see in God the fullness from which everything is flowing, and we are simply amazed by God and overflowing with the purpose for which he's done everything, namely the praise of his name. Now, before I sign off, let me just stress that that's how we do exposition. I wrote a book one time called 
expository exaltation. And that was my definition of preaching. It's a book about preaching. This is what I'm talking about. All of this is exposition. This is exaltation. And he puts his exposition under the banner of his exaltation. All the way along, we are to realize Paul is exalting. He's exalting. And we should be exalting. Now, further down in the chapter, we realize that Paul knows the spirit with which he's writing and the summons to praise and blessing and exaltation that he is calling us to as he reveals God and his salvation to us, we cannot do on our own. We're deader than a doornail. Or even those of us who have the Holy Spirit, those of us who are born again, have seasons where we don't rise to that kind of affectional response. So what does Paul do? Watch what he does. I don't cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. May give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. That's what 3 through 14 are. They are packed with the most glorious knowledge in the world about God. And we don't have the capacities to see the beauty of the wisdom or the revelation if we don't have this spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so here's the way he describes the effect of it. Having the eyes of your hearts, not your heads only. You need eyes in your heads just to read and uh, eyes in your head to think. But the eyes of the heart being enlightened, you know. Now, the devil knows in one way what is the hope to which Christians have been called, what are the riches of the glory of their inheritance, and what is the immeasurable greatness of the power at work in them. Hope, inheritance, power, these things, these glories, these realities cannot be known as they ought to be known without prayer calling down the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that the eyes of our hearts are open. When that happens, this happens. And that's what we're praying and I hope you pray it with me, that as we work through Ephesians together, all the exposition, all the knowledge will be done as blessing to God, as exaltation in God, as worship to God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for the whole book of Ephesians. Amen.